You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I did do, as I said I would do, a uh, best case scenario mock draft, but upon further review, I think it was a little bit too unrealistic, which kind of defeats the entire purpose. To say, here's where we're at, and then look back at it and just kind of have everybody say, yeah, but these people would never make it this far, discredits the entire thing, right? Even if one guy makes it too far, the whole thing, or, or if one team, presumably, you look at and say, there's no way they don't do this or whatever. It, it kind of, so I want to at least take a little time to revisit it. I don't know if I'm going to actually have it completed just, just because of this reason, but here's what I'll say. As I was doing, well, <laughs> have a thought come out of your mouth genius. Jeez. Why don't we cover this in a little bit? Man, it's I'm like a horse out of the gate, man. This is supposed to be just me telling you what the show's about, and it's like I'm halfway through explaining the whole thing to you. 750 plus episodes, and I don't have any idea what I'm doing here. But anyways, that, the point is, this isn't going to be... I want to talk about it. I want to touch on it a little bit. I, <laughs> I, 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 I just want to tell you so bad. I gotta change the format of the show because I, I just this isn't working. Restraining myself in the first couple minutes is impossible. But we'll touch on that. Um, I woke up this morning and there were two of my followers on Twitter that um, obviously have been listening for a while and remember who some of my favorite players are. One of these guys I've been talking about for about a year, uh, a little over a year because I liked him a lot last year. And there was a little bit of news and I'm just I don't know I'm I'm a little giddy today. And again we'll get to that. But shout out to Sheltered in Place Monty and Be Wary of Gary for um, just the best news. I mean, it's, it's already a good day because you wake up and you're tired and you're groggy and your kid's crying. You're trying to hit snooze and she's crying. And it's like, all right, fine, I'll get up. And then her pants are wet and it's like, come on, man. It's just it's just the worst. And then you realize it's Friday and um, it's supposed to be a little bit warmer today. And then you get this news on Twitter, and it's like, you know what? Greatest day ever. Don't even care. Draft is now six days away. All good things. Every good thing. So again, we'll, we'll touch on that. But the biggest thing, as we divert, and the reason I decided, because I was still on the fence even yesterday, as to whether or not I would just go through with the, the mock draft anyways, uh, even though I wasn't super satisfied with it. I actually started going into the second round, because I kind of figured... See, I can't not tell you. But I kind of figured the difference in the first round wasn't that, you know, I'm just, that that's basically the whole message, so let's just do it. The The point is, the difference isn't that vast. The, the biggest difference is, let's see, position by position. Offensive tackle, it doesn't really make any difference unless you really like guys like Josh Jones or, or any of these guys that are late first, early second types. I'm not super high on any of them. Again, as I've said a thousand times, I do like Nyang. If if you put him in that category, most don't. He's a he's he's somebody that could potentially be around the second round. That would be a question of if things go well, he falls in the second. 
But I, we're not getting the top, top tackles unless we trade up. And, and that really, and that's another reason I want to redo this, is because I really think best case scenario really might come down to who might we have the opportunity to draft if we trade up. Because if we stay at 30, the really the biggest difference is there's no difference in tackle. Linebacker, I really just think it's a matter of, is Patrick Queen going to make it to 30? Because Kenneth Murray, it's almost a foregone conclusion he won't. Isaiah Simmons obviously won't. Uh, so it really just comes down to Zach Bond and Patrick Murray, if you even like them. Because again, that's really all this is. I mean, at the end of the day, what the prognosticators think doesn't matter because they don't even know as much as the teams do. And the teams are going to, they know whether what's happening is best case scenario. They might like a guy a lot that it's not even on our radar. And somebody that we think is an early second round pick makes it to 30. And they're like, dude, this, I can't believe he made it. Right. So what the national media thinks doesn't really matter. And we don't know what the Packers think. So it kind of just comes down to at the end of the day, who do you really like? And there's some people we all kind of agree on just to one degree or another. Maybe, I don't know. I don't even know if that's true, to be completely honest. I mean, if Jerry Judy fell to 30, fine, but he's not going to, I wouldn't think. And See, and that's 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 why I need to redo this because there's other areas and other ways in which this needs to happen because just doing it sticking with the same board that the media has been using means it kind of falls the same the only real difference is so linebackers if you really like Queen or Bond and, and think it's an absolute must take then it really just best case scenario means that one of those two or both makes it and of course best case scenario they they do make it that's not that hard to figure out I mean I can tell you that much, especially if we're talking about one or the other. It's not a guarantee, but best case scenario, absolutely they could make it. The only other thing is what wide receivers could make it. And in the mock that I did, again, I might as well just tell you because I'm going to rework this anyways, I had Justin Jefferson fall. Now, a lot of people are going to say that's absolutely impossible, but here's here's kind of my twofold problem with that. Number one, well, I guess they're kind of the same thing. We, we don't know the exact order of the wide receiver. Justin Jefferson was a second round wide receiver, what, a month ago? certainly before the combine, and then after the combine, he just started going, just same as Mims. He just slowly keeps going up, 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 up. And now um, Justin Jefferson is the presumed number four behind C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and T. Higgins, uh, not T. Higgins, uh, Ruggs. And Mims may as well be in that exact same category. He keeps going up, 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 up. And as I told you yesterday, he could go as early as, say, Denver or the Raiders. And again, I would be surprised if it was the Raiders' first pick. That's why I say Denver or the Raiders, because obviously the Raiders are first, but they're also second because they have two first-round picks, one before the Broncos and one after. But that's another thing to take into consideration, again, especially on a personal level. And that's part of the reason why it's hard for me to do it, because I do a best-case scenario for me, and you're like, dude, you just gave that guy away, you know, and then took this guy, and you're telling me that's best-case scenario. Why don't you just swap the rec- Because I don't have the same list you do. All right, I, I appreciate Justin Jefferson. I'm not sure I'm as high. And also, there, there's a question of how big of a difference are there between the wide receivers, just in terms of talent. Because when you look at it from that standpoint, the difference between best case and worst case scenario is not that different. If if you get to 30, and let's just say, um, what did I had uh, Ayuk and KJ Hamler that were there, and then best case scenario would be you've got Patrick Queen and you've got Zach Bond, and you've got Justin Jefferson. You know, let's say my favorite on this new revised list is Jalen Rager. And I do really like Jalen Rager a lot. I, I, Again, it's been a while since I watched, and I didn't watch super in-depth, but I would say that I like him more than Justin Jefferson. Um, 
I would go so far as to say I like K.J. Hamler more than Justin Jefferson, despite understanding his limitations. But that's kind of my point. you got this pile of guys that are super talented. Best case and worst case scenario is not that much different. So again, that is, as I was doing it, I started saying, you know what, the effects out into the second round are probably the biggest, are where things can really start to compound. But that even that is kind of an issue too, because the the guys that you consider first round picks kind of dry up, regardless of how you handle this. And then you get to the second round picks. And so I don't think I could have picked anyone in the second round that people would say is wildly unreasonable. Right, Justin Jefferson isn't going to make it, and if I have KJ Hamler make it, that wouldn't actually be that surprising. Because there's no no saying. I mean, if he fell early, went early third, I really, I would disagree, but I wouldn't be shocked. Having watched the draft for so long, you know, people have concerns about this or that or what. People fall all the time, especially guys that are have limitations. So the the point is, I I don't know if I'm actually going to do it outside of maybe having a different goal of trying to find ways to get certain players is there any scenario in which we get this player and i think a, a starting point would be you know if we traded our second which i'm not a, necessarily a proponent of but if we did it'd be especially ridiculous for a wide receiver because again the talent gap in my mind between who we could get at what is it like 16 17 by trading a second um, i did have a scenario in which already i just tried it i think once and just based on my best case scenario we could trade up and get Jerry Judy. But again, the question is, are we 100,000% sure that Jerry Judy is going to be a just home run hit? And then, you know, compare that to the who we could, you know, now we're giving up our linebacker when we could have maybe had Jalen Rager and, you know, Troy Dye or whoever it is you like, right? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting exercise, but I guess the biggest takeaway I had, and I, I want to try to find a way to make this interesting, but the biggest takeaway I had is the best case and worst case scenario is not that divergent of an outcome especially in the first round depending on who you really like there might be certain people that maybe you got like two guys that you feel are possibly reasonable that you absolutely think could change the game um that you would need best case scenario and you can't have worst case scenario in that case yeah and again just run it out for yourself see what the scenario is for yourself but for my purposes Obviously, there's a difference, but I just don't see it as that massive of a difference. So that was my biggest takeaway. And it, and it's, again, it's pretty awesome because typically the way that I do this is you run it out to that pick and you say, how many guys are here that you really like and think are worth this pick? And the answer is not very many. And that was even at 12. When we were at 12, I'm looking at it and going, I don't know, maybe Brian Burns? I, w- I was kind of iffy on last year's draft, man. I mean, I, I liked a lot of the guys, but even, I, you know... Some of those linebackers, there's always a question about linebackers, which proved to be true so far. One of them has been average, and I, I do think is going to improve. The other one is following down. What in the world is that? <laughs> I kicked the, uh, well, you don't need an explanation. Everything's fine, though. Um, that, was not, that was not an attempted abduction by UFOs. So, anyways, that's why we're not really doing that today, although that we did have some kind of a conclusion there. Anyways... Again, if you like the show, please consider uh, supporting the show on Patreon. That would be patreon.com slash pack underscore daddy. There is a link in the description if the, uh, what I just told you to type was confusing. I did say if we get to 115 patrons, uh, we would have a giveaway this month. I, I There was always a plan, and I, I, I like to set a reasonable bar that I feel like we can hit, but I also understand that there's a good amount of turmoil out there, so I wanted to set a low bar. 
But we're already to 113, which I'm super excited about. And I, I don't, I'm pretty sure I said thank you already to some of these people, but Andrew, Brad, Jonathan, and then uh, just this morning, apparently this is April 17th, thank you very much to Paula. That is very greatly appreciated. I've had some people reach out and say, look, I'm not doing the Patreon thing. What's some other way to do it? Again, there are links in the description. I do have Venmo. I don't even think I have a link because I don't know how to link that. It's just at Ryan-Schlip. Usually people have problems with that, though, because it's only supposed to be for friends. Um, but again, there are links. And, and again, if you just if you want to give something and also get something, I've got the, uh, the merchandise store. Get yourself a nice T-shirt. I get a couple bucks off each sale. However you want to work this, if you don't have the money or want to support in that way, that's fine. Uh, leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever they're calling it these days or Stitcher is another great way, or as I've seen some people do, Tristan just did yesterday on Twitter, just word of mouth is extremely appreciated. Hey, I listened to this podcast. You should check it out. Boom. Done. So anyways, thank you all very much for the support. And again, two more people. Once we get to 115, assuming we stay at 115, uh, by the end of the month, we'll be doing a giveaway. It will be a t-shirt giveaway as the plan. And there's also an additional plan of actually making t-shirts. Would kind of like to do Tiger King, but I feel like by the time I actually get a Tiger King thing uh, done up, Tiger King isn't going to be cool anymore. So maybe we'll just do the draft. I don't know. I, I, I will have to just kind of play it by ear. But why don't we take a break and we'll get into what it is we are going to get into. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I talked about this yesterday or the day before, how it's kind of strange that the only thing we're hearing about when we hear about the Packers' interest, at least since, you know, the senior bowl and all that where there was a lot of rumors but recently it's all about quarterbacks and you know again where there's smoke there's fire etc etc however uh mr zach cruz for packers wire has written an article which really this just comes from uh mike florio but i might as well give him credit since this is where i was linked to but according to mike florio who talked with mr raekwon davis davis has been in regular contact with several teams including the green bay packers and he mentioned the packers by name in fact, if we go to Florio's actual um, article here, we have the full list. 
We have, according to Davis, the 49ers, Packers, Dolphins, Ravens, and Eagles have been the, in the most contact. So it's, it's a good thing to actually follow that link because when you hear the Packers and other teams, it could be 16, 17, 20 teams, in which case this is a nothing article. We have Davis saying, in particular, the teams that have been the most interested, the 49ers, Packers, Dolphins, Ravens, Eagles. We're talking five teams. Now, this is obviously exciting to me because I am a massive, 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 massive Raekwon Davis fan. Um, I don't know for sure that he's my favorite player in this draft, but it, he's on that list for sure. You've heard me talk a lot about uh, Hamler. Um, you know, there, there's other guys, and I acknowledge there's better players than Raekwon Davis, but again, it, there's a difference between putting money on who you think is going to be the best player and guys that you just, for whatever reason, um, very much enjoy watching play football. I'm trying to not say love because it always gets a little, little weird. And it was apparently that hard for me to say anything other than I love him. So that's, I don't know, man. But the other reason that I want to bring this up is I had mentioned to you, not only is Raekwon one of my favorites, but if you're looking for a prototypical Mike Pettin defensive tackle, I don't know if anybody fits that mold better than Raekwon Davis. I really don't. I, I, I think if you were to ask uh, Mike Pettin, not necessarily who's going to be the most successful, who is the most talented overall defensive tackle, but based on what you like at defensive tackle, based on what you're looking for, who is the guy that fits the mold of a Mike Pettin defensive tackle? I think Raekwon Davis is the name that he's going to drop. I genuinely believe that. Again, he tends to look for more longer, leaner, more versatile kind of guys that have the, the sort of, you know, slimness, despite being a monster, to actually put on the edge. Not that you're going to be a dominant defensive end guy, but you can move him to the edge. He's big enough and strong enough that if you needed to, you can put him at nose, and he absolutely is. He's a freak in terms of power. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it. That's a little bit of hyperbole, but genuinely, the guy is a freak. He's got raw power in his body. And so he's got the versatility, but the biggest thing is the fact that he is six foot six, 311 pounds. Mike Pettin really, really likes really long, lean guys. And obviously 311 isn't massively lean, but when you're six foot six and you're playing defensive tackle, I mean, Mike Daniels was what? He was like 6'1", 300-ish pounds. This guy's 6'6", 311. I mean, just, just go look at him. He's a tall, he looks, I mean, he looks jacked beyond belief. But he's, he's a pretty trim dude. But again, those he likes, it, it, it's, I shouldn't say likes, it is a requirement that you've got ridiculously long arms, right? Mike Pettin is gone, Dean Lowry got a, a big old contract. That's not based on how talented you are. That's based on can you actually execute what I need you to do? Can you physically be the kind of defensive lineman that I need? Mike Daniels cannot physically be that human being. Dean Lowry is a specimen. And again, Dean Lowry is a, a pretty rare body type. I mean, when you think defensive lineman, you're thinking maybe between 6'1 and 6'3, 310 to 320 pounds, right? You're, you're kind of thinking bigger. And actually, shorter was kind of a thing, and, and some teams still appreciate that. But it was kind of a thing for a while because if you're too tall, you have a harder time getting underneath people's pads. In fact, for nose tackle, I don't know if this is still the standard, but generally you want to be, I think, under about 6'3 or under 6'2. Because being shorter and bigger is a, a massive component to be able to get low and take on double teams. But again, that's not Mike Pettin's agenda. He's not asking guys to sit where they are and just be a blob and Gilbert Brown this thing and just make sure that two guys are pushing him and he just stands there and laughs. That's not his thing, right? Our, again, our nose tackle is like 320. Our, our nose tackle is a lot of other teams' defensive ends or defensive tackles, depending on their alignment. 
he doesn't look like a 3-4 nose tackle. But, you know, Dean Lowry, six foot six, 295 pounds. So he's even a little bit leaner. But, I mean, just imagine Dean Lowry, but with, you know, 15 to 20 pounds more muscle and a lot more raw power. And, and, and again, remember, we gave Dean Lowry a lot of money because he fits what Mike Pettin not wants, needs. He needs Dean Lowry. That's why we paid him so much money. But if Dean Lowry can't quite get the job done, Raekwon Davis is everything Dean Lowry is is everything we want Dean Lowry to be. It's kind of like how Denzel Mims is, you know, maybe best case scenario, everything MVS was supposed to be. Right? He's a tall, extremely fast guy, but presumably a much better wide receiver. Raekwon is Dean Lowry. If Dean Lowry was a first-ish, second-ish round pick. In my mind, he's a first-round pick all day, but I acknowledge that that's not where people have. I, I have, If he goes at 30, I, I have zero reservations about that. Again, I've, as I've said a thousand times, and I don't think it's going to happen. I would guess that this is about deciding whether or not to take him in the second. I, I, As I've said a thousand times, I will be the only person on planet Earth outside of probably Lions, Bears, and Vikings fans that would be cheering, cheering. I'm going to flip my chair over and kick my TV right in the face. Just out of sheer joy, I will chop down a tree, climb a mountain, and kick a billy goat just out of pure bliss if we took Raekwon Davis at 30. I, I just, you know, again, that's, that's part of the fun of the draft. You watch these guys, you absolutely fall in love. Again, I can't find better ways to say it. Leave me alone, all right? I know Billy's over there in his, in his little rabbit hole working on a meme. I don't care. I'll billy goat punch him, too. Um, what am I talking about now? Something about goats. Um, if you haven't watched Raekwon Davis yet, please do it. I know most people are not going to come to the same conclusion as me, um, but there's got to be somebody listening to this that is of the same mind and just kind of likes the same stuff. And if you just like dominant football players, and, and there is a, uh, again, it, it's it's more of a mentality than a, a thought-out thing in terms of what you need a defensive tackle to be able to do. And, 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 Again, I, I know I get tunnel vision a little bit, right? Separation is my biggest thing, so I like K.J. Hamler. Except that he has a lot of other limitations that should be taken into account, but I can't help but get excited about a guy who is about as good at that one thing that I really like as anybody I've ever seen. In a sense, trench warfare is kind of just like arm wrestling to me. I'm, I'm actually, over the last six months or so, I have become a fanatical arm wrestling fan. I didn't even know that that was a thing. It's a thing. I, I, I stay at home and watch YouTube videos of... Devin Larratt. So anyways, there is an an element to it of mano y mano, man to man, who's stronger, who's better. And it's just that Raekwon doesn't lose. And I've seen several guys who have that same mentality and that power that haven't had ultra successful careers in the NFL. So I again, I understand if he doesn't go early. I understand if he doesn't even have the greatest career ever. I understand if he has some limitations. And and even if, if he fits the mold of a lot of these Alabama guys who are big, strong, and powerful, who are really good against the run and offer very little as a pass rusher, that's kind of what I expect of him. But again, in terms of just trench warfare, man-to-man combat, Raekwon is just bigger and stronger than your offensive lineman. And again, you look at guys like Kinlaw, he appeals to most people these days because the NFL is moving more toward pass rush, and he's got a great highlight reel. If you look at his, he's got some plays where he's just dominant. The problem is if you watch him play in and play out, don't watch highlights, watch him actually play, he gets blown out of the way way too many times, and I just got this thing in me 
that says, I want you to be the biggest, strongest, scariest, meanest, baddest dude on the field. And if you're getting pushed around, I just, I don't have that level of, of, you know, passionate devotion to you as a football player. Raekwon probably doesn't have as good of a highlight reel, although he's got a good one. But play in and play out, people try to push him out of the way, and he's like, dude, get out of my face. And, and you know, a big part of that is the fact that he's six foot six, has really long arms, and you got these, you know, six foot two, 330-pound offensive guards trying to get inside of his chest, and they're waving their little, you know, Vienna sausage arms around, trying to reach him, and they just they can't get to him. You get a guy like Dean Lowry or Raekwon Davis especially to get their hands inside your chest, it's game over. And, and basically what he does, and, and that's the thing too, is a lot of people don't appreciate the art of it. The assumption is you're basically an interior pass rusher and you need to just get inside as quickly as possible. Just push him out of the way and go run after somebody behind the line of scrimmage. Raekwon is the kind of a guy who's going to grab somebody by the chest, hold him, wait to see, for example, where the running back is going, and then throw him to the side, either throw him to the right or throw him to the left, depending on what the running back is doing. And we'll just like I, I'm I'm doing a Raekwon Davis highlight. I've I've done multiple all. I've did two two videos I think last year just talking about how much I appreciate Raekwon. Just watching highlight videos. I'm gonna do my own highlight video for Raekwon just because I'm a huge fan. I might do one for uh, maybe that's what I'll do this weekend. Do a KJ Hamler highlight. I know they have highlights, but I I want it to be my highlights to show you what I appreciate about them because I think highlight reels are kind of garbage sometimes. You know, they'll show Ra- Raekwon getting a, an interception because the ball got tipped and fell into his arms. Like, that's not a good play in my in my opinion. That I'm, I'm not drafting a guy because he caught a ball that was floating in the air in front of his face. That's not impressive to me. Anyways, I'm, again, I, I, it got me really excited. The whole Packers are interested in Raekwon. I was hoping they were. Obviously, it, it, it just it's just a matter of is he available when the Packers feel like he's the best available option. So, in other words, it's very unlikely that they actually draft him because not only would they have to think for example in the first round that he is worth a first round pick but he would have to be the best available first round pick which is unlikely then he would have to make it to pick 62 i think that's where the packers are and then if he makes it he would have to be again the best available option otherwise somebody else gets taken at least the best available option at a position that we didn't take in the first round so if there's two better players but they're both receivers, maybe Raekwon goes. But all of those factors, and on top of 31 other teams that would be willing to take him at least at some point, not taking him, yeah, it's unlikely. But I'm excited. I'm, I'm glad to hear that they're interested in him. To be honest, I'm just excited to be excited. I mean, we've got less than a week until the NFL draft. Now is the time to go out and grab all the guys that you can find. Get, as, get excited about as many guys as you can. If you don't have a big list, go watch more. Go ask people, who, who who do you like? Who should I be watching? Go get a big old list of guys that you really, really like so that when this draft rolls around, it, it's kind of just like the lottery, man. You're just looking for those numbers to hit. Hopefully you get a couple. So the last thing that I wanted to touch on today, um, I saw, I've been seeing a lot of the mock drafts, which is great. People are getting excited about it, which is, I mean, it's a good thing because if you're not excited about the draft this time of year, you're miserable. And there are miserable people. I think everybody's favorite thing to do this time of year is to do mock drafts. The second most popular thing to do this time of year is to complain about mock drafts. <laughs> Which I'll be honest, I don't usually look at other people's mock drafts because I just I I don't really care. But I you know I can't say I understand the mentality of reading every single mock draft and then being annoyed by everybody's mock draft or not reading people's mock drafts and still complaining about it even though you're not it's not Im- impacting your life in any way. So I, I don't I don't know, but it's 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 a favorite pastime. But anyways, one of these mock drafts was done by Mr. Scott in the Facebook group roughly 10 hours ago, according to Facebook, for those of you looking for an exact timestamp, And he made a comment that kind of made me feel bad. Because 
as I've explained, the way that things typically go with me is that I see a problem within the fan base and I explain it. And then I over-explain it. And then I massively over-explain it. And then I have some people that adhere too strongly to what I say, and then I feel the need to kind of pull back on it a little bit. So in other words, I'm pulling as hard as I can, thinking that nobody's budging, and then I see everybody all the way on the side where I'm at, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm just over here because I was pulling real hard. We should probably walk a little bit more back toward the middle a little bit. My bad, I, di- I didn't see you there. Didn't actually want you standing by me. I just, I was just, I'm just pulling. But uh... anyways, the issue of the, the day is with uh, Mr. Scott, who said... Um, he only did five rounds because, as the great Ryan G.K. Schlipp says, rounds six and seven are useless picks, or at least they almost never pan out. Now, I stand by that in a general sense. Um, I've, I've actually done the research. I've found the numbers. And I think that it's true that the odds of you hitting on a, a really good player, as in a starter, are very low in the sixth and seventh round. And I've, I've also made the case and showed the evidence that undrafted free agents are wildly more successful than 6th and 7th round picks, possibly even more than 4th and 5th round picks. Depending on position, they are more successful than 6th and 4th and 5th round pick. In some cases, more than 1st, but that's a whole other thing. Also, there's the element of you get one 1st round pick and like 15 undrafted free agents. So, But anyways, that's neither here nor there. And so, again, I'm not, I'm not changing what I've said. And, and, and again, the reason that I do that is because after the draft, and maybe this is me being a curmudgeon, just like people saying, I don't care about your mock draft. Maybe I should just let people get excited. But I, I want to be honest about things because every year people pick a, a sixth or seventh round pick or an undrafted free agent or whatever, and they talk about how great this person's going to be. And every year I just roll my eyes because it's like, come on, man, you know this guy's not going to be any good. All right, Ty Summers, people were flipping out about our seventh round pick Ty Summers and how athletic he is. You know, Kendall Donerson the year before, because I had kind of started that train a little bit by saying his comp on a particular website was Khalil Mack. Obviously, I'd never thought he was going to be Khalil Mack, but some people kind of flipped out. Malachi Dupree, the year before that, had fallen to the seventh round. He, at one point, was about a, you know, a third-ish round pick, so people were freaking out. Right? Maybe, you know, whatever. Without even acknowledging, there's a reason he went into the seventh round. In fact, he was our second seventh-round pick. That should tell you something. However, we have had, at the very least, some decent contributors in the 6th and 7th rounds. And so I want to just highlight them to maybe kind of show that I'm, I'm clearly overstating it when I say they're useless. I'm trying to drive home a point, and I'm wildly over-explaining it. They're not useless, and we have had production from 6th and 7th round picks. And so I would like to, again, just sort of illustrate a couple of them, just to give you an idea. And again, I... I, I hard-pressed to find like elite I, I can think of one off the top of my head let me go find him real quick just because i want to verify yeah he was so he was a seventh round pick it's extremely rare call it once every 20 years you can maybe hit on a quality quality starter in the late rounds but you also do get some decent contributors so again let's let's real quick um we'll go back to let's just say randomly off the top of my head 1998 and just look at a couple names that you'll probably recognize including some early that we still have hope in for example Dexter Williams. I like Dexter. Dexter was a sixth round pick. Now, I don't think it's reasonable to expect him to become anything, and I think it's reasonable to expect that the struggles that he had this year are not necessarily going to get much better, and that although he may contribute, he's probably never going to turn into Aaron Jones. 
And that might seem like a ridiculous statement to some people, considering Aaron Jones was a fifth-round pick and Dexter is a sixth-round pick. What could possibly be that big of a difference? I think there kind of is a little bit. And I'm not saying, again, I like him. When every time I, he's like Rashawn for me. Rashawn and Dexter, I didn't like in college. When I watched him, it was like, nah, I don't really, I don't care for it. But when I watched him in the pros, I liked it. I liked what I saw from Rashawn. He looked quick. And when I saw Dexter, I mean, you could just tell without even looking at his body type, without looking at his number, when Dexter had the ball, because he looks quick. Now, is that ever going to materialize? I don't know. There's also Kadar Holman. I have very low expectations. However, he was one of the highest graded corners in all of football. Granted, he had like a half a snap. But, you know, don't count him out necessarily. And then there's Ty Summers, who I have zero, zero. And I'm sorry to Ty, and I'm not trying to be mean, but I went back and watched him because I wanted to see, like, where would these guys rank according to my ranks now? So I went back and looked over the last several years at college tape from Ty Summers, from Oren Burks, from Blake, and from Jake, to see, like, where I would rank them. Ty Summers was way at the bottom of my list of my top 20. So I I just personally don't have any expectation of him doing it. Maybe he will, but I, I don't. Um, going back to last year, or technically two years ago, Equinemius. I like Equinemius. He's a six-round pick. Um, James Looney seemed like he was going to have something going, but apparently that never materialized. Hunter Bradley is a stretch, but there's always special teams. That's another thing to take into consideration. You have, obviously, a much higher hit rate if you're talking special teams, because sixth and seventh round is kind of when that starts, right? It's it's kind of like when you take a kicker or defense one round early in fantasy football, because even though you realize that you can probably just wait until the last round and you'll be okay, or second to last round, whatever, you also recognize that by the time you get to round 15 or whatever we're on, you're, you're not getting much talent. So you might as well just get the best defense in all of football, right? Why not? Um, going back a couple years, but Kyle Murphy, I think Kyle Murphy's a good football player. Is he ever going to be uh, David Bakhtiari? No, but we're talking about a sixth-round pick that I think over the past several years has been, I mean, it's been off and on, and I've been a little bit more of a defender of Kyle Murphy than other people. But for a sixth-round pick, I would say he's given us a couple quality snaps. I would say that he's probably even been better than Jason Spriggs, which isn't that big of a, uh, a leap. But it, it does say a lot, especially at tackle when you got you better get one. I'm, I'm, I've been saying in the first round because there's a massive drop-off after round one. And to get a guy in the sixth round that's been about as good as the guy who you drafted that same year in the second round, I, I would say is, is a hit as far as sixth-round picks go. Uh, we had Aaron Ripkowski, which, again, fullback is kind of like special teams. Sixth round is, is kind of an early round. But he gave us some quality snaps. Played in 47 games for the team. Christian Ringo had at least a good year. I was a big fan of Christian Ringo for a while. Jeff Janis was a seventh-round pick. Despite his deficiencies as a receiver, which he gave us some great, I mean, one of the, the biggest highlights in, in, I'll call it Packers history, one of Aaron Rodgers' Hail Marys was because of Jeff Janis. But on top of that, fantastic special teams player. And if you're getting that, some quality snaps on offense, but a dominant special teams player in the seventh round, that's that's great. Um, a starting linebacker, again, not an elite linebacker, but a starting linebacker for several years, Mr. Sam Barrington was a seventh round pick. Also linebacker Nate Palmer. Um, again, he played even more games and had a better overall career, I would say, than Sam Barrington. But you got, in the same year, Nate Palmer and Sam Barrington, inside linebackers, playing for the Packers. Now, Barrington played from 2013 to 2016. Nate Palmer from 2013 to 2017 as linebacker. Both 6th and 7th round picks. Going back to, uh, let's see, 2010, James Starks. Now, James Starks was not an elite running back. You would probably almost put him like in the Jamal Williams category. But he was our starting running back who 
had a phenomenal career and helped us to win the Super Bowl because of how freakishly good he was for that stretch in the playoffs. Played 76 games for the Green Bay Packers, was a sixth-round pick. Another linebacker, Brad Jones, again, not elite, but decent enough. It's actually been a decent string of, I would say, running backs and linebackers that have been at least good enough. Probably one of the bigger hits, especially at a position like this, quarterback Matt Flynn was a seventh-round pick. Now, Matt Flynn struggled to be a starting quarterback. Obviously, that didn't pan out, but as far as backups go, name a better backup. That guy came in and just won football games. That's all he did. He came in and and backed up Aaron Rodgers, which is an impossible task. Outside of Matt Flynn, if Rodgers gets hurt, we're done. Even going back, and this isn't always the case, I'm sure. It's hard to tell because Brett Favre was never hurt, but... Generally, the, the assumption was if Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers get hurt, the team is done. Right In my lifetime, if, if your star quarterback goes down, there's very little hope. Matt Flynn was at least that one time, and we'll point to one other guy that maybe would have given us some hope, but Matt Flynn was that one guy where you still felt like you had some hope. The guy just, he just did a good job. Seventh round pick. Mason Crosby, again, you know, it's, it's special teams, so it's a little bit different, but in 2007, we got one of arguably the best special teamer, I think highest scoring Packer in history, and it, it's maybe a little bit of a stretch, but not much of one to say one of the the all-time great Green Bay Packers, Mason Crosby, is a sixth-round pick. Again, special team, so it's a little bit different, but there you go. Another linebacker, Desmond Bishop, longtime linebacker, played 75 games for the uh, Green Bay Packers. Um, another really, really, really talented football player, Johnny Jolly, played 61 um, games as a Green Bay Packer. Super talented. He was a sixth-round pick. 2004, the 2004 draft was abysmal, but I would say, I mean, not even super, arguably, no disrespect to Ahmad Carroll or anything, but Scott Wells in the seventh round was probably the best pick in that entire draft. He played 146 snaps, that is, or or, excuse me, more games, which is more than almost every other, it's more than the first, third, third, and third, so there was a first-round pick, three third-round picks, a sixth and a seventh in 2004, just a terrible year. But the first four players combined didn't equal as many games as Scott Wells played. The only guy that was even close was the sixth-round pick, Corey Williams. Then if you go back to the 2000 season, the Packers had five seventh-round picks. One of them was Mr. Mark Tauscher. Again, dominant offensive lineman. Great Green Bay Packer. So again, it's pretty rare to get actual quality starters, not just somebody that you can plug and play like a lot of these linebackers. Mark Tauscher is an offensive lineman that was a really good football player. And then when you go back to 1999, you get sort of the ultimate, and maybe it's not the ultimate considering we just talked about Mark Tauscher, but Donald Driver was not only a seventh-round pick, but was the um, final seventh. You know, Mark Tauscher was our first of five seven-round picks. We had two seven-round picks in uh, 1999. The second was Donald Driver. I mean, one of the most accomplished, one of the, the greatest, you know, it's a big list, but if you're talking about the greatest Green Bay Packers of all time, um, he's on the list somewhere. 205 games played from 1999 all the way up to 2012 when the Packers won the Super Bowl. Just unbelievable. One of my all-time favorites. I remember getting mad at guys like Greg Jennings because they were coming in and stealing snaps away. When they would move Donald Driver into the slot, I was legitimately mad at at Greg Jennings because they put Greg Jennings on the outside and Donald Driver on the inside, and and Greg Jennings was getting all the big plays. And I was like, dude, forget that guy. Donald Driver's the big play guy in this this town. You understand? Is Jennings loser out of here. Obviously, Jennings turned out to be a phenomenal wide receiver, and I got over it. But, I mean, that's just 
that's how much I appreciated Donald Driver. And I'm, I'm not saying that for my own sake. I mean, that, that was lots and lots of Packer fans really appreciate that. And he's, again, seventh-round pick. And then finally, I'll just cut it off here. We can go back as far as we want. But Matt Hasselbeck was a sixth-round pick by the Green Bay Packers. Didn't have a ton of su- success with the Green Bay Packers, but went on to have a really good career. And, uh, again, sixth-round pick. So it's not impossible. And we could even up that and say maybe once every 10 years, we just happen to have a bunch right in a row. Can you imagine that? That's quite a stretch right there. I mean, I just went back about 10 to 20 years and had almost nobody that was a legit starter in the super late rounds. And then you go Matt Hasselbeck, Donald Driver, Mark Tauscher in in three years. You get those in three years. That is a heck of a stretch of getting sixth and seventh round talent. But anyways, I just wanted to show the other side. Again, 6th and 7th round talent, don't get overly excited. We haven't had a really good starter in the 6th and 7th round, depending on what you call a really good starter, since maybe Starks. And again, really good is a stretch, but we'll call it Starks, and that was back in 2010. Now, I guess it's been 10 years, so we're due one. But I'm just saying keep it in context. Don't get too crazy about it and say we should just not even have 6th and 7th rounds because it's all just a joke. Somebody in the sixth round and the seventh round is going to be a good football player in this draft class. I'm just asking people to be reasonable about it. Because after the draft, you're going to see a ton of articles. And, and, and sometimes the fans get whipped up by some of these, you know, the, the Packers writers and whatnot who want to show you why they're going to be dominant. And then people just go, it snowballs, right? And then everyone starts talking about it. That's what happened with Ty. People would do film breakdowns and show why he could be this. He could be the steal of the draft. He could be it, and it's going to happen this year. And I'm telling you, I don't mind if you believe it. I'm just saying, don't regurgitate it. If you believe that this is going to be one of those rare instances, that's fine. Just understand the odds are wildly against you. But let's not throw away the sixth and seventh round again. I've overstated my case. There is the potential to get some talent, including guys we've gotten recently, like Dexter and and Equinemius. Does all that kind of make sense? Have I kind of solidified what I actually think now? I feel like I've done a decent enough job. Anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Friday. I will talk to you in the near future. Have a good one. Bye-bye.